Well, hey, you already kind of heard me talk about him, and I think I'm still giving him enough time. We'll be all right. And, uh, but I, I'm super thankful. And, and in fact, we're in this Future People series that we just kicked off last week with, uh, with Pastor Paul and Judy. How many have, were there for that? Wasn't that good? It was such a good day. And, um, I, but, but you know what's amazing? Last week I called Sean. I go, let's just talk about what you're going to share because I want you to share this, this, this. And, no, I didn't do that. But I, um, I said, man, let's just, what do you got? And he goes, and I, he had not told him what our series was called yet. And he goes, well, I just got this new thing in my spirit that, that, that I felt like the Lord was giving me for you guys. And, uh, and, and just no joke, he says, what's it called? Faith, slacktivism, and future things. And I go, well, dude, I think you should go with that. <laughs> and, uh, and I said, man, we're all about that right now because future people know that the future is people. Come on, our hearts are for people. Amen. Would you give it up big time? C3 welcome for Sean Weavers. All right. Man, it's good to be here. I love the, your vibe. It's just cool, huh? So good. I, uh, growing up a church kid, my father was an elder. My grandfather was an elder in the church we grew up in. And really, my father instilled this into me, but I hate religion. And I just love when you can walk in and there's freedom and expression to be yourself. It's so important. It's so awesome. Oh, I need to say thank you to Brandon and Meredith. Man, their family had, let's just give it up to, for your pastors. Great, great people. You know, every time God's wanted to bless me, he did it by putting a person into my life. Now think about that. And little did I know when I walked into a hotel room in the Texas Gaylord 11 years ago, I'd bump into this guy by the name of Paul Cole, never had heard of him. Uh, my only exposure to the Cole family was a 50-cent uh, maximized manhood book that my grandmother, her name's Mammy, bought at a garage sale when I was 17 and handed it to me. And she said, I heard him speak at a businessmen's meeting or something. You need to read this book. And so at 17, I read Maximize Manhood. And then lo and behold, uh, God's will, 10 years later, I would meet Paul, and then he would just become my pastor and mentor and uh, dear friend. And, and so we're so blessed uh, to be here. Um, I do want to speak to you today about faith slacktivism. I'm going to get this word wrong in the opening. Slacktivism and future things. Faith slacktivism and future things. Several years ago, Jennifer and I had just gotten settled in our brand new house, a house that we built from the ground up. I worked with a contractor. We had flipped houses and, and, and would sell them and move to another, but this was the first brand new house moved in. Everything was just how we wanted it, and, and we were living. We were rocking along. Our church had grown to maybe more than 200 people at the time, and, and, and we had this idea that God wanted Jennifer to quit her full-time teacher job, and even though teachers in Oklahoma don't make a lot, quitting a salary takes a step of faith, right? And so we were just kind of like, what's going on? You know, is this right? Is it not right? Is this just us wishful thinking that she could travel and be with me and help in the church, or is this God? And, and so one day, our, our 11-year-old now, Haley, was sick, and she was at home, and it was on a, like a Tuesday afternoon, and I was in our bedroom studying, had the, my Bible open, had a notepad, and I was studying for Sunday's message. And I just felt the Holy Spirit say, this will be Jennifer's last year. 
And so with that was some implications, like we knew going from two salaries to one, we'd have to sell our house, maybe downsize to a different vehicle, all these things. And so I was a little nervous to tell Jennifer what I felt God speaking to my gut. And so I walk out of, uh, out of the room and she's there tending to Haley, who's sick with a fever. And, and she looks at me and she's crying. And, and as a husband, that always makes you nervous. Because you're like, oh crap, what did I do? Or what have I done? Or what have I not done is usually the case in my life. And so I'm like frozen. And she goes, Sean, I know we've had this idea, but God spoke to my heart this morning and said, we have to step out in faith. And it's my last year to teach. Wow. Like, yeah, 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 that's it. yeah, 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 that's it. Yeah, I knew it, you know, uh, not really. But and so we, we were like, okay, what, I mean, we have to sell our house, you know? And so we're thinking real estate, we're thinking all this stuff. And that's about, I don't know, 1030 that morning. And at 11 o'clock, listen to this, our dear friend who didn't attend our church, her husband was our medical doctor, our MD. She called me out of the blue. They're, they're facing retirement. And she said, uh, my best friend from high school is moving to Ada, took a job at the Chickasaw Nation Hospital. And for some reason, I just feel like your house would be a perfect fit for her. Have you ever considered selling your house? And Angie's a believer, and she's in a church in Nashville now. And I went, uh, Angie, this is so strange. Because 30 minutes ago, God spoke to our heart and said, We're, Jennifer's going to quit her job, but we had to sell the house. And she said, my friend will be there tonight. And in one week, seven days, we had a full asking price offer and never put a for sale sign in our yard. And what I want to talk to you today is about faith is hearing, but also doing. And you can have a word for God, from God for your life, and that's all good, but it's only a dream. It's when you put that dream into motion that it actually becomes faith. It actually becomes movement. And that's when God can really expand your life, grow your life, and God can do the extraordinary in your life when you're willing to take the first step. I don't have a lot of faith. I don't have faith like Brandon or like this guy or that small group leader. I don't have that much faith. Understand something. Faith, the Bible says, is a seed. It's like a seed. And seeds don't start large, and they don't start with a lot of fruit. In fact, they're kind of inconspicuous. You can walk by them in the aisle at Walmart and not even notice them. Seeds are just seeds. But how many of you know when that seed gets planted and watered and fertilizer, it begins to grow? And in 20 years, that seed is a huge tree producing much fruit. And that's exactly how faith works. So don't look at someone else and say, I wish I had faith like them. Understand, they used to have faith like you. And it was a growth. It, 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 it was that they took, they took the, the effort to hear the word of God. And when you hear the word of God, it matures your faith. And so really the line I want you to think on is this. So if we're talking about future people is your future is built upon the foundation of your faith. Your future is built upon the foundation of your faith. When we, we were building that house, we, we showed up after they poured the slab and this is the first time that I had built a house. And we show up at the house and I say, this is it? It looks so small. Has anyone ever built a house and they poured the slab and you go and go, this is it? We should have built this thing bigger. <laughs> but, 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 but I didn't go ask them to build a bigger house because we hadn't poured a larger 
foundation. You cannot outbuild your foundation. You can't, you can't just add space because they didn't, uh, it wasn't in the blueprints. And so in life, you cannot outgrow, you cannot outpace your foundation in faith. And so it's very important that you and I, as a believer, Christ follower, take time to step back and hear the word of God and apply the word of God so that our foundation, our core of who we are, is strong and sturdy and built to the degree of which God has planned and destined for us. If you're not reaching your full potential, it's not God's fault. And so it's the word of God that gets in us and activates and really supplies a foundation for all of our future. If you brought your Bibles, let's go to Matthew 7, and maybe it's on the screen, and verse 24. Jesus is, is talking, and he's, and he's really going through chapter 7 here in Matthew. He's talking about uh, the, uh, the, the golden rule. Like, how do you want to treat others is how they're going to treat you. And then he, uh, 7-1 talks about judge not lest you be... Judge, right? Everybody knows this. Um, and totally take it out of context. But anyway, well, that's for another day. Um, judge not lest you be judged. And so Jesus talked about relationships, relationships. And then he gets to this, this culmination of all that he had taught his disciples in verse 24. And he says this. Everyone then who hears these words of mine. Now, I love this because this is an opportunity for divine communication. God speaking to his people. And what you may not realize is God loves to speak and declare to you. He, he, he loves to communicate with you. And so everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the, the, the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against the house and it fell and great was its fall. And great was its fall. Why? Because it didn't have a proper, what's the word? foundation. And when you have a proper foundation, when the storms and tribulations and trials come on Sunday morning in your home before you get to church because chaos ensues with your children, you have a foundation that can, that, that, that can carry you from the nine o'clock hour to the 11 o'clock hour. When the business deal doesn't go right and, 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 and you should be discouraged, you go, you know what? I'm not discouraged because God is my supply. God is my source, not men. And so I have this foundation and I'm not going to let fear be the norm. I'm going to remain in faith. And faith, listen to me, the opposite of faith is not a lack of faith. The opposite of faith is fear. And anytime God speaks to you, the enemy will come into you, to your mind, or at least he does to me, to my ear, and he says, you can't do that. You're not called. You're not good enough to do that. You don't have the capacity to do that. You don't have the money to do that. Why are you doing that? Fear, 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 fear. And at some point in your walk with God, you have to say, shut up. Fear. I'm a person of faith, not fear. And so I will obey God. And faith is walking by not sight, Right? And so fear is all about what you can see and touch and feel. Faith is, is all about what you can't see, you can't touch, and you can't feel. And so, and so faith, it begins with hearing, but it is activated or grows when you take the first step and you actually 
do. But, but, but this leads me to my next thought and the tension of this whole sermon is we have a major problem in America today. And it's presented itself through social media. And the problem that I want to talk to you about today is, is the term that I've learned by taking a college course. Um, I always thought people who were older taking college courses when I was 18 in college were kind of like overachievers. Now I'm that 40-year-old guy who's an overachiever in a college course. And I wanted to finish up a couple of things uh, before we moved. And so I wanted to finish up a, another degree that I was that close on. And so I took this class anyway. And in the class, uh, in one chapter of the book, it talked about slacktivism. And slacktivism is a compound word of slacker and activism. Slacker and activism. And slacktivism is marked by symbolic or token gestures of support for an issue or cause, but it doesn't equate to an action being taken. And so you see something on uh, social media, uh, let's say, um, let's go save all the unborn children, and you like it, but you never really like it enough or are passionate enough to actually get up off of your computer chair and go do something about it. Or Pastor Brandon posts on the church uh, Facebook page or Instagram or Snapchat about dinner parties, and you like it, but you have absolutely zero plans to put your faith into action and step out and actually show up at a dinner party. And what I have learned and what I'm observing in the church, and this is not a knock, this is just a correction because when your tires get out of line, you've got to take it into the shop and you say, it's not driving right, I need something to, to, to be aligned, and they go, oh, you need an alignment. Yeah. And so let the word of God be an alignment to you, but, but it's, not, it's, not, uh, it's for your own good. And so what I've seen is in the church at large is we are a church filled with people who have slacked faith. We want to say amen. We want to hit the like button. We, we will even share the verse that was shared this morning. And we'll do all these things on social media, but we'll never let it root in our lives to change us and mold us and to make us into his image. And we still go on about our life with the same issues, the same problems, never tending and setting our attention to hearing and letting the word of God take effect in our lives. We are slacked in our faith. And so slacktivism requires little to no sustained effort. In this chapter, they talked about even you could give $10, but you're still functioning in slacktivism because it hasn't changed your life yet. There's no passion that is ensued within you that, that I'm, no matter what, I'm going to give my life to this cause. And you and I as a believer have the greatest cause on the planet, and that's the cause of Jesus Christ. Jesus even said, for this cause, I give my life. And you and I, listen to me, faith is not just sitting there saying, amen, yeah, great, 10 bucks in the offering plate. Faith is revolutionizing your life and making you a brand new creation and a brand new person. And it's taking you, no matter how far from God you were, now you're all of a sudden a son, a daughter, and you begin to, he begins to mold you and make you into a brand new person. And the people who should notice the most are the people you live with. Yeah. Amen or oh me. Right, The people who, who we're in direct contact with, they should say, there's something different about you. You're not the same person. 
I heard this week at Lionsworth that every statistic right now that when they're studying conversion, it's taking two to five years for a person to completely convert to Christ. And I thought, well, duh. Because the battle's right here. Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. And so if you don't renew your mind, the Bible says don't be conformed to this world, but be what transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so it takes a long time, at least for me. I don't know about you. You're probably a lot further ahead than me. But it takes a while for me to transform to a new belief system or to a new action. And here's a greater thing, to a new reaction. And it just takes time for the Word of God to get into your life, into your heart, and change who you are. So two keys, hearing and doing. Romans chapter 10 and verse 17. Everyone in this room probably knows this. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing through the words of Christ or the word of Christ. So what's the first key as a believer? To hear. But you know what? We have a hearing problem. It wasn't long ago OU was on. No, no, not yesterday. This is a couple weeks ago. Sorry. And I was in my, uh, my office is also a theater room. And so I'm in my theater, kicked back in my lazy boy. And the game's on. I got my popcorn. And Haley, my 11-year-old's next to me in her chair. And we're watching the Sooners. And Jennifer comes in and tells me something. And she tells me it again, and then she leaves. And three days later, we have this conversation. I said, I didn't know that. <laughs> and she said, I came to your office during the OU game. I said, that's your first problem. You, you, should, you should not talk to me. Amen. You see, there's a difference in hearing some noise and intentionally listening. Listening. Wow. And you can be around church, you can be in church, you can be hanging out, you, you can hang out with all the right people, but, but, but you might be hearing some noise, but not intentionally listening to the voice of your Heavenly Father. Wow. When I began to study this thought, I, I, I searched Almighty Google <laughs> listening problems in America, and there's this uh, Harvard Business Review, this professor actually studied workplace listening. And, and, and so when I say there's a listening problem in America, I'm not just like on a soapbox just throwing this out there. It, it, this professor found, and, and I quote, in general, Americans do not know how to listen. So everyone who's asleep, someone's asleep next to you, just nudge them a little bit and say, wake up. And you think about it, I mean, from the very time a child is young, they go to reading class, but we never send our children to. When I became a, changed my major in college from music to communication, I went, took my first communication course, and I thought I was going to learn how to do speeches and give talks, and, and, and half the class was on listening. And I thought to myself, that's not what I signed up for. We have to train, and I've been working so intently on this as a communicator, deeply and intentional listening. Just listen. Uh, if you're a parent of a teenager, you know what I'm speaking is absolutely true. So many times have you said, I said go clean your room, right? I didn't hear you. And you're like, Give me that phone. 
Start listening to me, all right? And, and so we don't, in general, take time to listen. That's why we finish people's sentences. And if we're not careful, we, we, we will do the same thing in our relationship with God. And God said, well, I wanted you to go a different way. And that's kind of what happened with us. I mean, it, we, our church was in a place in Ada where I could stay there for 20 more years, retire, go fish, and be happy. But there was something in me, and I wanted to intentionally hear the voice of God. And I wanted to be obedient to that voice and to his voice. And, and so it just began to work in me. And I believe there's someone in this room who you're wrestling with a career change. You're wrestling with something new and fresh. Maybe it's to commit to church or commit to tithe. And you're wrestling and you go, I don't know, I don't know. And I, and I just want to encourage you to take the first step and do it activate the voice of God that's in your life. And the second thing is we have to respond to the word of God. Like we have to. We have to. In fact, James, the half-brother of Jesus, said it this way. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Now, I want to just pause because I'm from Oklahoma. You might think I'm a little religious Works cannot, will not, never save you. It will never redeem you. So we, we can't get that first, right? But what happens is when God begins to transform your life and renew your spirit and he begins to breathe life into you, all of a sudden you become a spewer or a, a spreader of this life. And it cannot help but to produce godly fruit. An apple tree is never told to produce apples. Yeah, that's right. Like, we've planted an apple tree. Carter and I planted an apple tree. We've never marched around it seven times. We've never went out and laid hands on it and told it to, to produce fruit. Like, we've never spoken in tongues. Like, you will produce apples. Why? Because it's an apple tree. It's going to produce. What I'm trying to do is tend to it, fertilize it, water, care for it, tend to it. And if you're in the Word of God and letting the Word of God have full effect in your life, pretty soon you'll begin to produce things in your life that you didn't even know you were capable of producing, all because your foundation, your core, is that centered in the Word of God. And that's why the Scripture says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. So what good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? What good is it, my brothers, if there's an apple tree but it doesn't produce apples? You chop it down. Or you dung it. Fertilize the thing, right? You get it to produce. Can that faith save him if a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food? And one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled. Without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is uh-oh, I don't like that. <laughs> My little judgmental self. So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. Somehow in the church... We've allowed slacktivism to be the norm when it should have been works. Not to gain God's love, not to gain a place at God's table, but because of the goodness of God in our life. Now we're going to produce and share and give and be generous. And So the foundation of your legacy is faith. 
The foundation of your future is built upon the foundation of your faith. If you don't build it upon faith, it'll be history. If you build your life upon faith, it'll be legacy. Amen? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this word. I pray it brings forth life and liberty, freedom. I pray in no way, Father, none, zero condemnation. We know that's from the enemy and not from you. But I pray that my words would bring forth life, freedom, liberation by the mighty power that's in Jesus. And so today, Father, we honor you, we magnify you, we glorify you. We honor you. We worship you. The first step, the very first step in faith is allowing Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of your life. Now, the Word of God declares that if you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you shall be saved. Sometimes church and religion makes it way too hard. But it's just a confession of faith and it's a belief in your heart. You say, man, yeah, Sean, but my life is not put together. I'm far from God. I want you to know that God understands and he loves you and it's okay to start where you're at. I'm just a seed. That's okay. God sees way beyond that. If you're in this room brought by a friend or a relative and you say, Sean, I'm not in relationship with Christ. That's the first step in allowing your faith to grow and hearing and doing the word of God. If that's you, would you raise your hand? I want to pray with you. Anyone in the room says, that's me. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you. Anyone else? That's me, Sean. Thank you. I don't know how you guys do it here, but if you would, just pray this prayer with me and just pray it aloud and pray it after me. Now, I would want to just give some direction here. If you raised your hand, this prayer is not magical. But what this prayer does is it confesses what's in your heart and it just brings Jesus to meet you face to face. And the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 18, that he's going to breathe into you and you're going to have a brand new spirit from the inside out. Maybe you've been living a life from the outside in, trying to find happiness and joy from all the things that you can see, touch, and feel. But God says, I'm going to invade your life with my very presence. I'm going to kiss you and fill your life from the inside out. And now your joy source, now your hope is going to be from the inside out. And so I'm just going to lead you in this prayer. I'll give it over to Pastor Brandon. But if you would just say, Heavenly Father, here I am. I give you everything. Today, I receive your grace and mercy. Today, I receive your spirit. And today, I declare I'm a brand new person. Forgive me for living life apart from you. I confess you as my Savior and my Lord. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. Come on, let's give him a hand clap of praise. Hey.